podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. to the Chels. Here we are at the end of the week, although you think we've done this on Monday. And all right, we did. Uh, joining me tonight, it's only Mr. Rick Glanville. Hello, Rick. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. I'm all right. You know, bank holidays, weekends of Easter and sunshine and warmth. That was nice. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, I, we're also joined by none other than Mr. Garold Hayes. Garrington to you, sir. Oh, Garrington. OK, hello, Garrington. Garrington Hayes a second. Excellent. Is that why you're moving to Kent? You're moving to the countryside, Darling, aren't you? Royal Tunbridge Wells. <laughs> Have you actually managed to get permission to go into Royal Tunbridge Wells? Not yet, No. <laughs> They, I spoke to the council. They've done nothing. <laughs> they haven't given you your, your permit. Yes, this man is legally allowed in here. Okay, <laughs> interesting, interesting. But uh, yeah, so we have another London derby. That's three in a week: Palace, Arsenal, West Ham. They're they're an interesting side, aren't they, Ricky Poo? They're a they're they're, they're a different side under under that man who was supposedly unemployable, he's almost creating a dynasty. He's been there over a season. It's <laughs> David Moyes. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, I think he has, he's always been a good defensive organiser. And I think that has, uh, that's served them in good stead. I think Zuma's had a great season for them. Uh, I think he's going to miss this match. I think Obama's going to miss it as well. So that's a big, that's going to be a big issue for them. But they've been excellent in Europe. I know a couple of West Ham. I've got West Ham in my family. And they're so excited about the European adventure that they've been on. They've had a really brilliant time. I tend to think that that's... When you haven't had that joy in your life, a continental joy in your life for some time, I think that's really going to be a distraction for them. And I think that's what's going to be... That's their season now, I think. They're out of the running in for for fourth, I think. They've screwed up in the last few weeks, you know, in the league defensively. And uh, as I said, a couple of players out. And I, I think uh, this is our last um, London derby of the season. And I think we'll go on a high. And, and uh, Gary, they've got some decent players. Now, one that always keeps getting linked back to us is Declan Rice. Do, do you think there is a chance at all that he could come back to Chelsea? I don't know. Ask someone who's in a no, not me, but I think... Well, that... no, no. Supposition. We I, can have well, supposition. Okay. <laughs> let, 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 let's talk about whether, you know, I know as much as anyone who reads the news, whether he'll come to Chelsea or not, and whether Chelsea will put the money down to take him. But I think that in terms of the wisdom of signing him, yeah, I've, certainly. I think that there's this team without getting into the ins and outs of who should be leaving and who should be coming in. I think that as this team evolves, you need to replace it, you know, certain players with younger players. And I think that he is someone who, who fits the mould. I think that he's 
got his relationship with Mason Mount. He's an admirer of Chelsea as well, isn't he? He probably yeah. feels like he's got unfinished business for the fact that Chelsea let him go and they did. Which I, I, I never get that either, though. Why Chelsea sort of have it as a, you know stick to beat them with that they let a fourteen-year-old go. Like, yeah, I know. It's, uh, what, it's crazy, isn't it? You, you look at a 14-year-old and think that he's going to become Harry Kane. Come on. Yeah, I mean? Elise, Elise of um, Palace was at Chelsea yeah, as well, wasn't he? There's players up and down the country that leave clubs at young ages and go on to do All something else somewhere else, you know? Mm. You could look at Man City and think, that, oh, you know, they let Sancho go to, to Dortmund at an older age, you know? Yeah. But I just think that to let a 14-year-old go, you know, there's things that go on at clubs and, you know, he, he didn't, wasn't seen to be cut, making the grade at the time. But credit to him, he's gone off and done it at West Ham. And I think that I'd love to see him at Chelsea. I'd love Do you to think see him we need that... that type of player? Like a, I think as a we strong, evolved this tall, team, dominant central midfielder. Yeah, I think as we evolved this a team... A Chiromani even, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about um, Kante, that he seems to be... Mm. More mistakes are creeping into his game, whether he just needs a rest. Mm. Because the poor guy has been running to the ground since he signed for Chelsea, which we forget was yeah. six years ago. yeah. He's been, you know, willed out even if he's fifty percent. Club and country, that, yeah, yeah. I think things are catching up with him, and that. Um, I'm more worried about he... the injuries. I think the 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 uh, errors are a, a result of injuries, lack yeah. of yeah. sharpness, and or concern about injuries and things like that. But exactly, yeah, not I agree being hundred percent fit, getting yeah. a tired mind because yeah. of that. Yeah, I just think so, that you know times come where you need to evolve to, and you know to bring it back to Ferguson or someone like that. He was a master at getting rid of players without sentiment, knowing when he needed to get rid of him. When he got rid of Beckham, he's like, look, I know you're done. You're a, you're a spice boy now. You're not a part of this club. Mm-hmm. And he got rid of Beckham at the right time, right? And I just Vidic that, as well. Vidic was like, there was outrage, wasn't there? And Yeah, Rio Ferdinand was one as well, wasn't he? When yeah. he didn't he get rid of yeah. Ferdinand before? But, you know, even, um, you know, letting Van Nistelrooy leave for Real Madrid when he did Yapstam. But I, I just think putting it in a Chelsea context, it's not to say I dislike Kante and think that he's, you know, not got anything to offer. I just think that if you're planning for the future, you've got a ready-made player who can slot in and change what this team is. Um, I don't think that, I think that'd be curtains for someone like Jorginho as well, which if we're talking supposition, seems to be the case anyway, because his agent has been flirting with Serie A for the last year since literally won <laughs> and the, the Euros. last three yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just think that someone like Rice would come in and help evolve this team. That doesn't mean to say that it makes us um, a team that's going to be better than the team now, but I think it takes the team in a different direction and it gives this team a different path for the next five to six years, given his age. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, West Ham do have various players who have been really impressive over the last couple of years. Um, Michael Antonio. I mean, no, he's... Doing, yeah. He's unbelievable, isn't he? I mean, he, considering how his path has been through football, he's one hell of a player to turn into a centre forward, isn't he, Rick? Well, I thought I, I've got to say I really do like him because yeah, me too. I, I, I think he puts everything on the pitch, and everything that he does, uh, you know, the, the amount of endeavour, the physicality he brings to it, the talent. I'd, I'd really, I really enjoy watching him. Whether he would suit a club where it's a little bit less about kind of um, leading from the front and and being a target man and playing your own furrow, I'm, I'm not so sure. But they've wherever they've played him and they've played him in deeper roles, they've played him wide roles, 
and as a sort of out and out centre forward, uh, he's excelled. He's Achilles' heel though. He's he's so injury prone, and um, that's something. Whether it's the he's got a big frame and there's a, so there's a lot of muscle surging around, and also uh, if you're a player opposing him you're not you either don't go in for the tackle or you go in harder than he does so maybe that's a uh, an issue that he has to face as well that people think they've got going doubly hard against him but i i just love watching him and um i i love how it, it reminds me a little bit of players strikers we've had in the past good ones who've just kind of used physicality almost beautifully um, there's something really almost balletic sometimes about <laughs> about how they can hold someone off, and when they, when two players are running side by side, and you just they just use their strength to keep someone off. I just really I think that's such a uh, kind of underrated um, beauty in in football sometimes. Two two players clashing like that, and one coming out coming out on top just through. Or strength, you know, um, but but he's not. I'm not saying he's a brute or anything like that at all. Because I think he's a really cultured, a really cultured player as well, capable of deft touches, fantastic finishes, imagination, great player. And and Gary, when we're talking about. Strong strikers. I mean, we've got one who has not come good uh, a lot of the time in Lukaku. Um, you know, we've seen some dreadful misses from him. His instincts don't seem to be there. He seems to be flat-footed, as we've discussed through the week. Um, how do you see? How do you compare? Is there any hope for Lukaku at Chelsea? Well, what one thing I'd say is for Antonio is that because he's not cost them 100 million he's not in the same spotlight is he I was looking at his yeah, stats sure. just now because I know he I know injuries have played a part but he hasn't he's only scored twice in the league since October yeah um so and he doesn't get criticized for that um where it's not expected is it that's the funny no, thing no exactly exactly so but then again you know he doesn't have the profile that Lukaku's got and that comes with the territory so it works both ways but um I think the difference is with because I think Antonio, the threat that he carries isn't the fact that he's going to be finishing. It's that he's bringing others into play to finish. Yeah, he takes out two um, or three players sometimes. Yeah, so, and he, he does a lot more for the for the team than it is, you know, rather than just scoring goals. Mm-hmm. But I think with him is that he just plays on the front foot. He's on his toes, whereas Lukaku's on his heels. I think to bring it back to the Palace game, there was a moment when he hit the he hit the post, which is unfortunate, but. There were other times when Werner was getting in behind and Lukaku wasn't gambling on Werner doing that. He was sort of reacting to what Werner did so that he was a stage behind Werner. Whereas I think in Antonio's case, he's the one trying to make it happen. I know they're playing different roles and mm. you know all of that to caveat it. But I think Lukaku, he needs to be playing two yards further forward than he is. And I don't know whether that's his style, whether it's a lack of confidence, whether it's him being miserable or not. But he just looks like a player who is way out of his depth at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, what are your thoughts, Rick? Can can he come good, or does it just does it look as though the writing's on the wall? Hey, and we can say all this and go, oh, he'll be off. But he's a hundred million pound footballer, as we're saying. You know, 
how do we sell a player like that? Can we sell a player like that? I, I don't know. We we don't know the ins and outs of the scenario, and also neither will the the new owners until they yeah, come in. I I I would certainly not uh, rule him out. I think it could even be uh, a, a pre you know another preseason where he gets himself really sharp. I thought you were going to say another. It's going to be a priest. That's what we need <laughs> to sort this out. <laughs> he needs an exorcism, doesn't he? <laughs> He exercise a few ghosts. I mean, you know, you, that, if that one had gone gone in rather than hitting a post, and there have been a number of those recently where you could argue he's been slightly unlucky, even though the lack of a lack of precision uh, doesn't mean you've been unlucky. Um, and um, but I think I thought he did some good work for us. I've got to say uh, against Palace, I didn't think he was a disaster at all. Um, there were moments. I, I know what you're saying about Gary, where he you were sort of uh, you were looking in the middle, saying where is he? And but quite often he'd been doing work, winning the ball over on the right, and he wasn't wasn't in position. I thought he worked quite quite hard for us yesterday. It, it was just a, it, it was a couple of moments near the end when I think yeah. it might have been just before he hit the post or just after that mm. the ball got it was in the middle and the board got put out to Werner. Yeah, and I watched the replay back on TV yeah. and I saw it and he sort of looks around the corner of the defender yeah. realises Werner's received the ball and then broken the line yeah. and then he runs in the middle and Werner puts it in and he misses it because he can't get on the end of it and you're but, like but you oh, know, it's so agonising but he could have been there yeah. if he was playing a yard or two ahead don't you think though that, that that kind of incident is just symptomatic of something broader which is that he hasn't actually clicked with any partner uh, there's been no partnership that he struck up with anyone on the pitch, really. And I think there were there were moments earlier in the season. I think I'm trying to think who it was now. Um, well, he, Ziyech, he did combine. I think. I think he, did, he did combine with Werner as well. Yeah, I, I think he. Could, but you know what I mean. And partnerships are so important to strikers. Just knowing when I do this, you do that. You know, when I make yeah. that run, you know I'm going to do that. And it was a. Uh, a moment I felt sorry for him because he did this great run and Ziyech had the ball and but put the, put the ball the wrong side, put it through on his right foot and yeah. not on his left foot, and it was overhit and everything. So I do think there are there's some of it is details, and I wonder whether another preseason this summer, if he comes back really sharp and he's he, he wants to succeed, I think um, uh, hopefully. Thomas can work on, work something out where he's uh, gets better supply and starts to bang in the goals. But he could equally he could you know he could score in the cup final. Uh, and anyone who scores against Liverpool in a cup final is an instant hero. Ramirez, for instance. Yeah. Um, I, I think to, to I know what you mean about the partnership as well because you look at you know just talking about modern times of players that I've seen. And you think about Zola and Hughes, the way they sort of came out of nowhere yeah. to, to be that partnership. And then you had Jimmy and Ida, the way yeah. that they combined. I think the issue Lukaku's got here is that those inside forwards that Chelsea play with mm. that are outside of him, they want to score goals as well. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And normally what exactly. you'd have is that... You one's think a provider the, and one's a skill. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the, yeah. The, the relationship that Zola and Hughes had is that one was providing. The same with Ida and yeah, Jimmy. They've both that, got goals, but I know what you mean. But, you know, Zola... In a three, I think it's different as well. Yeah, whereas Jimmy was the out-and-out scorer where he would give Ida the, the eyes if he wasn't giving it... Where Ida mm. would still score goals, but Jimmy was the man. 
mm-hmm. there was a chance to be had and a goal to be scored, it was Jimmy's, not Ida's. Mm-hmm. Whereas when, like you say, three into one, it's, I don't know, like two's company, three's a crowd almost, you know, to quote a, a yeah. cliche. But um, that those players are there and, and we're judging them if they're not scoring goals as well. You know, we were talking about in the last podcast about Mason Mount's numbers and his goals and yeah. how they compare to other players. And if those guys aren't scoring, we're not going to look at and go, but Lukaku's got 30 and... You know, Werner's put it on a plate to him 15 times this year. We're going to be saying, well, Werner's only got five. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think also, you know, this, this, it'll be interesting to see the makeup of the team as well. How much do we think we could be hunted down in third place? Probably not now with the way the results More have chance gone. of us hunting City down. Well, exactly. So we are out on our own. So is this a chance for Tuchel to experiment? Is this a chance for him to give people who maybe haven't been getting first pick a, a chance that actually Lukaku starts and maybe gets 90 minutes? How do we see this? I mean, it's a strange I don't, I don't, time of season. Personally, Carrie, I don't see that being part of Thomas Tuchel's mindset at all. No, Just to sort I, of generously hand out uh, uh, appearances. I think it would all be for the benefit of the team. And it will be for Heaney's arrest, um, Heaney's minutes. That will be what it's about. Because we've got two targets, finishing the top three, preferably, and obviously the FA Cup final. And um, those aren't those should, shouldn't be taken lightly. I think if you start, if you take your foot off the pedal in the league when you've got an FA Cup final, you go into that final half-baked. You know, you really have to go into that. We found that against Arsenal in yeah, 2017, yeah, didn't we? Exactly. Yeah, you, exactly. You, you've got to go in really motoring. You've got to be everyone wanting to play, everyone knowing that they have to be at the top of their game to play, that they're not going to be handed it just, you know, like a like a, a Cub Scout proficiency badge. You know, they've got to really earn it and take that momentum into the cup final and beat Liverpool. I think as an aside to this as well, Kerry, just with Tuchel, to add to what Rick's saying, is that he's got probably the biggest debrief of his career coming up because he's going to be debriefing to new owners. Yeah, yeah. And he's going to be saying to them, look, this is the season, and he wants to be showing, last year we finished X behind Man City and Liverpool. Exactly. This year I've closed it down to nine points or whatever. Because it's not that he's going to be interviewing for his job, but he's going to be interviewing. No, but he wants to have those numbers. Gary, yeah. you're exactly right. And and he's going to be wanting to show, show them, to say, look, I need player X, Y, and Z in these positions. So, mm. so you see that nine-point gap, that becomes a, a minus three gap in our favour almost, right, to have that swing. Because whether he sees Lukaku in his plans or not, or any other players, he needs to start putting a case across to new owners to say, look, yeah. this is what we achieved. This is how we achieved it. They're going to be using language that we don't use and language we probably don't understand. But he's going to be putting that forward with his backroom staff and they're going to be targeting players they want to new owners who have just probably dropped two and a half billion on a club and they're going to be asking them to drop a few million on other players, right? And they've got to put that case across. So I think between now and the end of the season, Tuchel is setting it up for next season. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Right, well, look, let, let's get to the nitty-gritty of it, the West Ham score. Would you like to go first, please, Rick? Yeah, Last London derby of the season for us, a lovely 3-1. Oh, I like it, I like it. Gary, over was, to you. I was going to go for 3-1. I'll go for 3-0. Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go oh, lower. 
for change. No, <laughs> sod it. I'm going to go 4 nil. What the hell? That's not I lower. think it's time. No, I know. I th- then I thought that's just cowardly. <laughs> no, I'm going 4 nil at least. Um, <laughs> to who? Well, make your own mind up. There's only one team. <laughs> I've never predicted a, a win for an opposition side. I am not going to start now. Uh, <laughs> right, well, that's it. Look, we, we are done. We are out of time. So, yes, tomorrow we play West Ham United. No, two days' time, because this is Friday when you're hearing it, of course. So, yes, let's all get behind the team. Let's have a great day at the bridge. And let's give West Ham a right old beating on the pitch. And uh, thank you, as always, Rick, for being with us. Thank you, Gary, for being with us. Come on, you blues. Come on. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.